Welcome back to another episode of Climbversations. Today's guest is a reoccurring annual one that I've had the pleasure of chatting with again. Dr. Jenny McGowan is our school district superintendent and fearless leader. She has a decorated career path, having been a teacher, assistant principal, principal, chief academic officer, and deputy superintendent in almost two decades in our district. She's won numerous awards for her leadership and for serving our district so well, with the latest being the National School Public Relations Association's Award of Superintendent to Watch, which is really impressive because she's one of only 24 superintendents selected across the nation. That program recognizes superintendents with fewer than five years of experience who demonstrate dynamic and fast-paced leadership with strong communication at its core. Dr. McGowan's ability to navigate challenges, lead with a servant heart, and be relationship-driven is why I so enjoy talking to her, especially about leading with empathy. Let's take a listen now. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Conversations. and I'm so excited to have the topic of leading with empathy with our superintendent. Welcome, Dr. McGowan. Hello, hello. Okay, so let's just dive right in to talking about empathetic leading. And so what does that look like on a campus? Since obviously we're a school district, if you're listening and you're not an educator, that is our context. So just tell me a little bit about what do you think empathetic leadership looks like on a campus? Gosh, well, certainly... I think our world has gotten a glimpse recently into the incredible leadership that takes place on campuses every single day. And I don't think of leadership in terms of a title. I think of it in terms of the people, the people who are there every day, who are serving kids, who are making education happen. And bottom line is educators are heroes. And they've that, that platform has been on display in all sorts of new ways. It's always been true, uh, but certainly today we've seen the way that our teachers, our bus drivers, our folks that work in our cafeterias, our custodians, our principal, I mean, everyone has just come together to continue to think about doing what's best for kids in a context that is historic and remarkable. So I think what it looks like on the campus is no matter what the circumstances are, no matter um, the challenges that you're facing, really thinking about how other people are feeling and experiencing the situation that they're in and then doing everything within your power to help them uh, succeed and help them be the best best human being that they could be. I was thinking about um, recently I was at a, a, I think it was an orchestra concert. Anyway, I was there and our kids were amazing. They were performing. It was beautiful. And afterwards, I was standing around chatting with people. And the principal of one of the schools came up to me and was talking about this teacher. And um, I said, oh, yeah, I mean, that was incredible. Like, these people are unbelievable what they teach our kids to do felt like I was at Carnegie Hall and it was just awesome. Mm. And the principal said to me, you know, that teacher uh, had a number of kids in the orchestra that couldn't afford shoes. Those were the kind of shoes that they needed to wear for the performance. And so uh, she went out and made sure they all had what they mm. needed so that they could perform. And I thought about that. I was like, you know, empathy is all about trying to put yourself in somebody else's yeah. shoes. And this teacher literally made sure that these kids had shoes yeah. um, and kind of put herself in the position of what would it be like to be a kid trying to be up there performing and not be able to have the right kind of shoes. And so that to me is just a small example of the kinds of things teachers do every single day, other folks on campuses do every single day that you don't necessarily know is happening, but it's it's probably the thing that that student will remember the most for maybe their entire education is the kindness and the empathy yeah. that was shown to them uh, so that they could do the thing that they wanted to do. I love that example. So, yeah, it was, pretty, it was pretty awesome. And, and kudos to our principal for knowing the 
the, the stories of heroism on that campus. Yeah. There's just these, these little things that are really big things when kids are in, involved. Here. Yeah. So part of showing empathy, like you just said, is helping and supporting each other. And so when you're thinking about being across the district, whether it's central office, on campuses, what are some exemplars that you've seen across the district? Yeah, gosh. I mean, we talk about Klein family uh, here in Klein ISD, and that's because we do want to do our best every single day to treat one another like a loving, supportive family and to rally around one another to help one another. Uh, just like all families don't get it right and perfect every single day of the week, but certainly that's the spirit that we try to cultivate in our in our district's culture. I think about, you know, when I get to go to campuses for faculty meetings each semester, I love that one because I get to see everybody and just share a few moments with them. But I also love kind of some of the things that happen while I'm there. Often uh, principals will just start their meetings the way they start them every time they get their <laughs> faculty together. And so people will stand up and truly stand up in front of, you know, I've seen this most recently at one of our high schools. And the, the, I mean, people stand up in front of 300 other faculty members and say, I want to celebrate or express my appreciation to so-and-so because and in a very specific way that that person did something that was a benefit or a blessing to them. I love that. Uh, some of our schools, uh, remember at the start of the year where we had Chick-fil-A come oh, and yeah. train all of our leaders and they talk, taught us about second mile service and how second mile service is about actually comes from the Bible. There's a verse that says, you know, if you can go, anyone basically can go one mile with someone, uh, but to really like truly show your love and go above and beyond, go the second mile with them, the, the mile that you're not required to go. Yeah. And so um, a lot of our campuses have started second mile service awards where they really recognize people who are going the second mile or doing those things that are not required or expected, but are really of tremendous benefit. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, the challenges are real and mm -hmm. what, you know, educators, I mean, there's a million articles across the whole nation that are talking about the challenges that people in education are experiencing right now. And, um, I think what makes people want to get up in the morning and keep, keep doing the work and showing up and doing what's best for kids is of course, first, the knowing your purpose and knowing that our purpose here is making sure kids get a great education, but also it's the people that you do the work with. And when you're surrounded by people that you believe genuinely care about you and want the best for you and are here for you when things happen in your personal life that aren't positive, yeah. I mean, that that's what makes you want to get up in the morning and keep showing up and doing what's best for kids. So shout out to all of the people yeah. in Klein ISD who get up every single day, whether they're one of our departments or on one of our campuses, and they make Klein family, not just this big global part of our culture, but they make it feel so personal and real to the people that are in their immediate sphere of influence. I love that. I yeah. Love when we that. have new hires and they email us for various things that they need, I'm always really excited to write welcome to the Klein family because I know it's not just a tagline. We were recently sick and, you know, one of the executive directors kept texting, like, do you need a meal? Do you need this? Or, and it's just like, like yeah, you I said, it's those that. little things like you that someone's just reaching out and then there you know our chief academic officer sent me a couple of how's your family how's your family you know and it's just very it's probably small it took two seconds but those little moments of that and i say customer service but really like just treating people with kindness like yeah. you're saying i would say arguably our shout outs you know there's an email that goes around central <laughs> office you know this is my fourth year in central office which is crazy to think about but i i would argue to say this year the shout outs list is the longest it's ever been like it literally takes a minute to scroll and I just love seeing and it, everybody just shouting each other out, even if it's not in person, but it just yeah. people using their names and saying specifically how they're contributing to what we're doing and the work we're pushing forward. 
And like I said, I really think it was, it's the longest this year, every single week, hands down. It's fun. And I think it just is a way to let people know that they are seen. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, when you're, especially, I mean, this is the 16th largest school district in the state of yeah. Texas. You know, we've got over 53,000 students, 7,000 plus employees, and it, it could be very easy mm -hmm. to not feel seen. But when we talk about things like knowing every student by name, strength, and need, and that applies to the people who take care of the students yeah. too. When you feel like, and you have examples like you just mentioned where people genuinely care about you and they, they know what you need and they're ready to help, whether it's your family needs a meal or you need help solving this problem at work or you're trying to, I mean, it, those are the kinds of things to me that are just invaluable. I mean, they're what makes people want to stay where they are and to continue to grow. It's because that family connection and feel is so strong. And that's what I'm proud of in Klein for sure is that we've grown so fast over the years. And it's like a chief Kimberly, our chief of police always says, we're the biggest little school district on earth. And I love that line because that's how we want to feel. Yeah. We have to keep working hard to make sure that it does feel that way, where we feel connected to one another and that we genuinely care about one another and doing whatever we can do to be helpful. Well, and that genuine connection and care for others is especially important during these last few years when we're in this collective, everybody's going through something. So now more than ever, we should exhibit the kindness and best customer service that we hope to receive. We should exhibit that to others as well. well and I think that thing I try to remember too, when you're thinking about customer service, I mean, first of all, education is a service industry. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. We provide an absolutely essential service for the for our, our nation, for the success of our economy, for the quality of our communities. I mean, that's what we do in education, which is such a privilege and so exciting. And of course, you know, just like companies, we don't get it right every single day. And so sometimes people do have a complaint about something. And some, sometimes what I just try to remember is that when people are complaining about something, a complaint means that something somebody stands for something. Yeah. Right? And you'll really try to listen through the complaint to try to understand what it is that that person stands for. Uh, that helps you to then really cultivate that empathy. You're like, oh, you stand for this. And a lot of times you're able to find a point of connection, even if your opinions are totally different, your perspectives are totally different on a topic, like underneath the surface, there's probably some things we can connect yeah. on. So I think it's important that, you know, when we think about taking good care of one another, when at times things don't go perfectly, yeah. um, as is the case, we try to listen through the complaint to figure out what it is that the person stands for and then find those common, yeah, that common that. ground and, and kind of go from there. It's a better place to go from than just putting walls up. Yeah, being defensive. And, yeah. yeah which, is, which is, of course, natural, but it, it, you can cultivate the discipline yes. of saying, You're, you have a complaint. This complaint, I think, means that you stand for this. We probably have some common ground here. Let's start there. Yeah. And customer service skills aren't a natural skill for most people. Right. The saints on the other end of the line that you call when there's an <laughs> issue with an invoice or a bill, you know, that's not a skill that people just are naturally like super patient and pleasant <laughs> when someone's upset with them. And so I do think as leaders and as educators, it's something that you continuously have to work on because then you personally might be going through something or it might be a tough time. And so I think that's really a great perspective to think what can I connect with them on? And they believe in something like that. Mm -hmm. So speaking of intent listening, um, it's a huge component of displaying empathy like you just got done saying. So when someone's thinking about creating those meaningful conversations day to day with both students, staff, and even community, what are the keys to building those skills when communicating with others? Yeah. I think that's a great question because certainly today it's so easy to be distracted and when you think about intent listening and trying to really like be present with someone and be genuinely connected to what it is that they're saying or what they're expressing, whether it's a happy, happy celebration yeah. or it's something that someone's concerned about. 
first of all, I think you can't fake that. You, know, mm -hmm. you either genuinely care or you don't. And so I think that cultivating that spirit of, you know, you're a human being, yeah. and so I care. And I want to hear what it is that you have to say, and I want to try to understand it, and I want to try to do whatever I can to be helpful. Um, is important, but one of the one of the little tricks I guess that I use is you know when I'm in a situation and I feel myself kind of getting in my head or you know sometimes someone's talking yeah. you're already thinking yeah. about the next thing you're gonna say or someone says something that gets you thinking about something yeah. else and so like now you're not really even hearing this conversation anymore like you've gone off somewhere else in your mind. I try to train myself in those moments to look for what I like, and what I mean yeah. by that is like it could be as simple as like. I like that person's earrings. Like you have some fabulous earrings on today, Monica. Not that I was having a hard time engaging with you because you're so fabulous, <laughs> but you know, I, I, it can be as simple and as basic right. as I'm training myself right now to look to at present. what I like so that I'm yeah. really locked in on what you're saying. But it can also be like, even if someone's sharing something that's like really um, hurtful or something yeah, that is really hard, you, there's still something. I mean, there's always something that you can look to like. And I think that that, at a minimum, keeps you present. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you like what someone's saying to right. you, or you like the way someone's going about it, or that you like bad behavior. I'm definitely not saying that, but I'm saying if you can train your brain in that moment to look for something that you like, there's a much higher probability you're going to be locked in yeah. on what that person is saying. And that's the goal: is to be present so that people know you do genuinely care and you are trying to listen and understand. And then to go from there. Yeah, I relate to that. It's like sometimes you either so much work to do. Oh gosh, the you know, list is so long, yes. Right? And somebody stops by. Do you have a minute? Or they talk and it's going longer. And I do have to remind myself this at times too, to be more present and think, okay, this is a relationship building moment. They're definitely wanting someone to listen right now, so I'll just let them talk yeah. about the X, Y, and Z story. I saw the best example of this the other day. I was uh, on a campus and I was just walking through classrooms and saying hello and, and checking in with people. And I walked into a classroom and there was a teacher in her room, it was a high school classroom, and she was sitting on her desk. And the kids were almost like, I don't know how to describe it, it was kind of like they were in a huddle. And but the, but the spirit was like, not like they were about to go out and play a football game. It was like they were just like really relaxed, mm. but really focused. And just the way that she was engaging with them was so authentic and sincere. Love and it, it. there was clearly like such a connection that had been built between her and these kids in her room. They were celebrating something that a lot of these kids really struggled with. And they felt like they had been successful on. And just I thought in that moment, gosh, I wish I could just box up yeah. what is happening That's in magical. this classroom right now. It is magical. It is so magical. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about all of us who are moms, you know, the kind of like when we're just in the car with our, our kids, you know, this is like probably depending on how big of a family you have. Oh, I'm relating to what you're going to say and I already know what you're going to say. You're thinking like how overwhelming at times, like all the different opinions and perspectives yeah. you're trying to connect, you're trying to make sure everyone's getting what they need. I mean, our classroom teachers yeah. have a lot of kids in their so classroom much. every single day and the way that they build connections with mm -hmm. kids and they they make kids feel seen like we were talking about earlier and they create these like little safe yes. environments for them it is amazing i mean it is absolutely heroic to me with the ways i mean with all these different stories that these kids walk into the room with because everybody has their story and they have lots of them and these amazing teachers get to know these stories and they get to try to figure out like how to how to bring out the best and mm -hmm. all of these very unique different individuals. Yeah. I mean, just think about it. When you're in the car with your kids, I mean, they have the exact, they grew up in the exact same environment. Mm -hmm. You know the environment intimately. You know, you hopefully have a lot of good control and influence over that yeah. environment. But when you're in a classroom, your kids are coming in with all sorts of things. And it's just, you know, when I walked out of that classroom again, I just thought, what a beautiful, safe, I mean, it was like a cocoon. Mm -hmm. It was just like, she built these beautiful relationships. It was so clear that kids felt loved and connected and engaged and 
And I think of, and I think of so many people like that, even that aren't teachers that are still in the client family. And I know you, I think you've said this before, but Dr. Kane was one of those, like, I have never, I don't think, I think he's probably in the top three listeners. I got to sit with him at a table for a banquet once. And I just like, he just was so interested. And I'm like, okay, surely this guy's not going to be interested. He's superintendent. I'm just a teacher at the time. And I really felt like he genuinely cared about our conversation. And he did. And we, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you can't fake that. Like you either, when you're in that moment, you either sincerely care and you may have all different reasons why you care, but you either sincerely care or you don't. And people can tell. And so you're right. I mean, the way you listen to people and, and take the time just first of all, to even physically mm-hmm. be there, but then also like if you can train your brain to be as focused on what people are trying to explain to you, then if you can couple that with like, I'm present, I'm looking for what I like. Yeah. And then on top of that, I'm really trying to understand where you're coming from. I mean, that's a pretty powerful combination. And I love the tips because again, it's not natural for most people to be that, that unicorn listener that you just feels like you're the only person in the world. And Sometimes you got to work on that as a leader. And you know what? You can use this at home too. You know? I was just thinking that. I was like, you can use this a little tip at home too. You can look for what you like. Leadership development can be used everywhere. I should have done this before the holidays. I'm sure people have lots of opportunities to practice with their extended families about (laughs) what they want. The topics at Christmas dinner are the best. Okay. So kind of taking a turn and just kind of wrapping up this, this topic. Empathy fatigue is obviously real. Like I said earlier, we're facing another year in the pandemic. We're 20, what, 21 months in now. So how do you avoid empathy fatigue or how can anyone avoid it really? Um, And what tips do you have in that area? Yeah, well, we've definitely all had plenty of opportunity to practice. That is a blessing, even when it is challenging. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say, you know, part of it is just sheer persistence and determination. Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to choose to be present to listen, Mm -hmm. to care, Mm -hmm. um, and to seek to understand the perspective. And that is a discipline. I mean, you do like, I mean, you just have to choose that you're going to genuinely try to walk in and engage and care. Um, I have a mentor who tells a story about how he used to drive a certain way to work every day. And on his way in, there was always a guy that was kind of like out in his legendary rural part of Texas. And there was always a guy that was out on his farm. And so every day on his way into work, he'd wave at the guy. Like I would never wave back. And this went on for years. Okay. So one day my mentor said, I just, I just had enough. I just give up. You know, I'm not doing this anymore. And you know, the one day that he didn't wave, do you know what happened? The guy waved. And so you never know, you know, you just never know. Sometimes you just have to persevere um, and make the first move over and over and over again, even when you're, tired and and exhausted from it you just have to choose to continue to discipline yourself to to keep waving that hand and focus on the gems yes true focus on the gems and the good part and that's a good thing when you're helping people too i think like if you just continue focusing on like yes every job and career and profession is going to have the mundane or the things that maybe get frustrating but when you look at the core what we're doing every single educator is helping every single day. So when you can go back to that core, even on the frustrating days or when you're resetting the next morning, when you drive back to work, I feel like that can be really anchoring too. And empathy fatigue just sets in. I think the other thing too, is just to like recognize and own your fatigue. Yeah. Because I don't think any of us are our best when we are tired and exhausted. And, and, and so in those moments when you're very like helping yourself be self-aware that you are exhausted or you're tired. And so therefore things that maybe would be more uh, natural for you in terms of your patience or your kindness, maybe are, you're 
are just not at their optimal levels. And so uh, I, I do have a little phrase, and I can't remember who taught this to me, but someone used to say all the time um, how important it is to increase the, the difference between, the, increase the amount of time and space between stimulus and response. And the phrase they would use was hit the pause button. So like when you feel like you're about to, because you're exhausted and you're tired and you're about to say something or you're about to do something that like really if you were more rested probably wouldn't even be something you had to think about, hit the pause button. Just hit the pause button. Sometimes that means like, don't send that email. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that means like, hey, take a vow of silence for a few minutes here. Like probably the best thing you can do is not say anything right now because what you're going to say is not going to be helpful and it's going to cause more problems and it's going to be something that you're going to spend more time and energy on in the future. And so if you can just have that mental catchphrase of hit the pause button, then you just hit the pause button and then you take a little time. And how often have you woken up the next morning and said, I don't need to send this email. Like this is... This seemed like such a great idea. I'm so glad I hit the pause button and I didn't hit send. Or you're in a conversation with someone and you can feel yourself exhausted and feel your emotions uh, starting to escalate in whatever direction. And you think to yourself, hit the pause button and just like realize that you don't always have to immediately respond to everything. And so just trying to think of little ways that you can increase the space between stimulus and response when you're really tired. Um, and you're not at your your optimal level and just recognizing that knowing it and sometimes just telling people that too like i'm just exhausted i'm yeah. so sorry this is really nothing to do yeah. with you i'm just exhausted You've done that this year and, before. yeah and it's like this has nothing yeah. to do with you i'm just absolutely exhausted and i think that if we chat about this tomorrow we'll have a much better conversation honestly people appreciate that transparency i'll say that has been one relief from the pandemic specifically in our district too there's been a lot more grace given for the and and to the need for and I hate the word self-care but just taking care of like your personal life too there's been that permission whether it's been said and unsaid and I feel like that's been a that's one positive from the pandemic that I think that will be helpful moving forward that I hope everybody keeps in their work life balance is you know realizing when you're at that empathy fatigue and then making sure you're taking those whatever steps it is I mean I think people get annoyed. You're like, go read a book, go take a walk on the beach. It's like, well, maybe it's just like get some sunshine for 10 minutes and call it a day. But yeah, and that's where it goes down to yeah. honestly, at the end of the day, we all have to know ourselves. Yep. We have to know what like helps us to refuel and to recharge. You call it. And, and we have to do those things, you know, and that's also a choice. And so it's, you know, the fatigue is real. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think across many different industries, I mean, certainly the one that we, have the privilege of being part of his education and i know for a fact that he gets real in education right now mm-hmm. um and so i just i'm grateful whenever we do get opportunities for our teachers to have a break and uh you and i were chatting earlier about being on campuses yesterday and and getting to see teachers just with one another enjoying one yeah. another's company working really hard to get mm-hmm. prepared for all the things that are coming this semester but again going back to what we were saying about com- camaraderie and family if you're at that place with the fatigue and you're owning it and you know it, that's a, that is a wonderful thing in and of itself because then you can hit the pause button. You can increase the time between stimulus and response, but even better is then when a friend or a colleague comes alongside you and is there to like help you in that fatigue. Um, and it doesn't have to be big things, just little things like just acknowledge, like some of the examples I think you gave earlier are perfect. You know, it doesn't cost anything to just write someone a little note and just say like, Hey, you did an excellent job on this. Or like, I know that you've got a lot on your plate. Here's something I'm going to do to, to help you. Um, you know, it's just it's being again, checked in. So looking for the things that you like and then yeah. trying, trying to act on those things uh, to be helpful. Yeah. The Starbucks gift card app is amazing. You have taught me so many fun things. Not only yeah. that, I mean, so start we'll start doing a commercial in a second. <laughs> I'll start right. giving you companies. <laughs> 
And then somebody sent me a gift card and I almost cried. I'm like, oh my gosh, coffee. So right? It was so nice. Yeah. It was like, this is for nothing. And I was like, where are you? I'm going to give you a hug. Always so thrilled to have your voice and your perspective on all things, especially leading with empathy because you do it so well. Oh, so that's very kind. Thanks for being on. Happy New Year. Happy I'm New Year. for all that's to come. <laughs>I hope you walk away from this episode with reminders of the importance of being kind, especially during the pandemic. The stories and examples of people in our conversation who showed consistent kindness and empathy to others is a timely reminder to show grace to others as we go about our days. I always enjoy talking to Dr. McGowan and appreciate her sharing her wisdom for our content. Here's to taking our learning and transforming the world.